And I've said so many times, but, but I think we can say it again, that these times ought to make us think. They ought to make us think about why are we doing what we are doing. And uh, as, as we begin to talk about the importance of coming together and the importance of being together, if you are in this room this morning, I, I just want you to look around the room. I just want you to look at, at the people that are in this room. And, and if you're in the front, you can look to the back. And if you're in the back, you, you, you can look to the front. And, and I just want you to see people. And, and ask that question of what, what are we doing here? We are here. If you're online, I want you to think about your brethren who are here or are in other places gathering online. I want you to imagine them for the same purpose as you turning on their electronics to be a part of this assembly. We are together because we have a common bond. And that bond, it is Jesus Christ. And I may think about people, and, and so often I think about how we're different. You probably look at me and think we're different, and for which you're grateful, right? But, but we have a bond. And that bond is Christ. And we need that bond throughout this life that we live. I was thinking about the chapter preceding where Dirk was just a moment ago in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we, we know these words in verse 13. He says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. And all that he is speaking of here is the difficulty of the Christian life. The difficulty of being faithful in the midst of an unfaithful world. It is something that works against us every day of our life. You feel it, and I feel it. And so he gives us this word to say, you're not alone in that. I'm walking with you in that, and I'm encouraging you to flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men. You judge for yourselves what I say. But, but listen to verse 16. It is, it's a, we, we pull these verses out, okay? We, we, we're, we're, we're bad about that, but I want to put them back in their context. In the midst of this exhortation that you can make it through the temptations of life, you can pursue holiness. He says this, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? Is it not the sharing of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Observe Israel after the flesh. 
Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? And you're going to talk about one of the temptations that, that they would struggle with. But I just kept thinking about this text as we were observing the Lord's Supper as it relates to what we're doing here. Why are we coming together at 9 o'clock on a Sunday morning? Because we have a bond. And that bond is Jesus Christ. And an acknowledgement that the Son of God died for us. And an acknowledgement that we believe He is worthy of praise. And an acknowledgement that we support each other throughout the trials of this life. And there is not a person here in this room, there is not a person who is gathered together with us online who does not need that fellowship, who does not need that communion, not just to partake of the bread and the wine, but to truly commune in Christ. Now, to the sermon. You know, I get a short sermon and I decide to give you two for the price of one. Glutton for punishment. Wait until the 1030 service where we don't have a time limit. Uh, those, those poor people. But I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. There is a verse here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that just screams from the page and makes me uncomfortable every time I come to it. You know, we, we were talking about this last night in, in, our, in our family worship, and we were talking about the purpose of 1 Thessalonians and how he writes a lot about the second coming and looking forward to the coming of Christ and, and having comfort in regards to our loved ones who have passed away. But, but right there, kind of tucked into the middle of this, there, there is this exhortation about the life that we're living now. We're living in light of the second coming, but we're living right now, right? We're, 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 in the midst of this, we're in the midst of this life. And he begins, let's back up to verse 9. He says, But concerning brotherly love, we have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And indeed, you do so toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. It's kind of like getting up and preaching a sermon about how God loves us and we ought to love other people because God is love. I mean, that's pretty foundational, isn't it? That's pretty, I mean, that's like Christianity 101. Nobody's walking away and saying, wow, what an amazing insight. No, I mean, we know that. They knew this. They had heard this. Not only had they heard this, they were living this. Right? I mean, you take the gathering of God's people, hopefully they're going to be people who know what it means to love one another, to, to show the love of Christ. So, you know, I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you about something. I know you already know this. I know you're already doing this. But here's the deal. I want to encourage you to do it even more. I want to encourage you to keep it up. There are lots of things in life like that, right? Right? You just need that encouragement. Keep it up. You know, you know it's good. You're already doing it. But I want you to keep it up. Because once again, life, 
Life can complicate that love that we intend to show, those sacrifices that we intend to make. Anybody ever had really good intentions? How about over the last two months? Anybody ever had some really good intentions about how you were going to show your love for your brethren? And it's like, yeah, but it didn't happen. Did that happen to anybody? Okay, one, two, a couple of us. Okay, three, you know, I know. I, I, we got, I think we got four. I could do an auctioneer type of thing going on. But, but I mean, but that's, hopefully, hopefully we have those intentions, but sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. Hey, keep it up. We need that encouragement. So right here in the midst of this, can I ask you, what, the, the, those, those who honestly said that you had some good intentions, that, that some of which you fulfilled and some of which you didn't fulfill, what kept you from fulfilling them? Was it a lack of good intentions? No. Matter of fact, if you raise your hand, that's pretty good, right? I'm a little bit concerned about you folks didn't raise your hand, whether you had intentions or not, right? Another sermon for another time. But, but it's, not the, it's not the intentions that keep us from this. You know, I mean, I just got busy. I just got busy doing other stuff. I mean in the midst of a pandemic where the whole world was turned upside down, somehow I remained busy. And I didn't do the things that I wanted to do. That's, that's Romans 7, right? Why am I doing the things that I don't want to do and I don't do the things that I want to do? I mean, I'm frustrated very much with myself. I just got busy. He continues, verse 11. I know you're loving, love more and more that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business and to work with your own hands as we command you, that you may walk properly towards those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. We've been talking all month about what it means to have a holy ambition. And so many times when we think about ambition we think about going and doing and being and accomplishing these great things right right that aren't focused on me but they're focused on God and and we're gonna but but here he's we we understand we understand ambition in our culture but here here Paul says part of your ambition is to lead a quiet life it is, in many ways, it's one of the most un-American verses in the entire Bible. Right? I want you to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. How do we do that? How do we do that? See, I think that this, this time... I hope, has caused us to reflect upon our life and what our life looks like. And, and I've got some, some things that I've learned. I have no idea how to preserve these things. I'm struggling through this in my own mind, to be quite honest. But, but I found myself, and my phone's on the, on the front pew up there, and I have a calendar on there. And I'm going to tell you, I, I live by that calendar in a lot of ways. And for the last two months, do you know what I've found myself constantly doing on that calendar? Delete, 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 delete. It's really getting old. 
okay? It's really starting to annoy me. I'm going to be quite honest about that. I mean, I was okay, you know, for a couple of weeks of not, but, but hey, we're talking about stuff that I was really looking forward to and I was planning on. And, you know, we've, I've deleted church activities and I've deleted vacations and I've deleted uh, marriage seminars and gospel meetings. And I mean, I, I, I just have to, I've deleted so much and it's, but I'm still busy. I'm still busy, but you know, my evenings, I'm just going to tell you. That they have really been cleared up. And I was talking to someone a few weeks ago, and just to understand, you know, it's a good thing to slow it down. Because we get so, so busy in life, don't we? That all of a sudden we find ourselves neglecting the things that we value the most, but that we're not reflecting with our lives. Even the love of others, Paul would say. I want you to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. And I'm just telling you, that's not going to happen accidentally. You're going to have to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. To mind your own business. You ever get so worked up in the things that other people are doing? And this person said this, and this person said that, and this is going on over here. And, and maybe that happens in our, in our congregation, and maybe that happens about like the things going on in our community, if that happens with the things that are going on in our nation and in our world, right? You, you, ever, get, you ever get sucked into the 24-hour news cycle? I mean, well, I'm just going to tell you one of the best things we ever did was I have a cable plan that doesn't, that doesn't have Fox News on it, okay? Because when I had that on my cable, I would just watch it. I knew everything about everything. Okay, now I still I've still got an app on my phone, but I'm more intentional about it. Okay, but you can get so worked up in that everything else stops. Does that ever happen? Yeah, it happens. He says, "I want you to make part of your ambition to mind your own business." How about that? Right? That's not talking to other people. That's talking to me. That's talking to you. This is part of the Christian life. He's going to write in, in the second letter to the Thessalonians, you know, they had a lot of people who thought that the Lord was going to come right away, so they just quit their jobs. And whenever they quit their jobs, all of a sudden they had extra time to worry about what you were doing. You ever met anybody like that? You ever been anybody like that? Well, he says, listen, I want you to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business. That doesn't mean you sit at home and do nothing. I want you to work with your own hands. I want you, to, I want you to, be, to be busy working, but I don't want you just running, running in the rat race of this, of this wheel that's spinning just because the wheel is spinning. I want you to be intentional about what you're doing with your time and your energy and your efforts. How do we do that? Well, throughout the Bible, we will see this admonition, pull some weeds. If you want your garden to flourish, if you want your garden to be a beautiful thing, that garden of life, you're going to have to pull some weeds. Jesus told us the parable of the sower, right? And we understand the idea of that good soil where, where that seed was planted and, 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 it, and it bore fruit. But he also tells us about the seed that was sown amongst the thorns. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 11 is one of the most un-American verses. I have to think that Matthew 13 and verse 22 may be one of the most American verses. It's reflecting upon the culture that we live in, that thorny soil. This is the man who hears the word. We have an unprecedented 
in the history of the world access to this book. Not just access to this book, but access to things about this book. You want to, you want to read about the Bible? You want to read about God's Word? Do you want to, every, every single week you can hear the most excellent expositions of God's Word, and you can fill your week with those things, right? And I don't care who your preacher is. I don't care who you're good. I mean, we, we, we're, we're gathered here together online. I'm just telling you, this wasn't possible a decade ago. It is for us. It is for us. This is the man who hears the Word. We hear a whole lot of the Word. And the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of riches chokes the Word and it becomes unfruitful. See, one of the one of the most effective ways that the devil works in our culture and even in our church culture is that he just fills our life with so many things. Not sinful things. Come on. Come on. You're, you're gathered here in the middle of a pandemic. You're, you're being purposeful to gather together in your home. I mean, for the most part, and I know this isn't universal, but we, I said this, we do well when it comes to the overtly sinful things. Satan just fills our life with a whole bunch of good things. With the cares of the world. Anybody feel that? Anybody been overwhelmed with your job? With your family? With your promotion? With your finances? With your, with your health? I mean, we could keep on going down the list. Those are all good things, right? Anybody ever had your life just plumb full of those things? Well, you know, I just don't have time to read my Bible. I just don't have time to call anybody else. I just don't have time to do this thing that I intended to do. Right? Can we all relate to that? I'm going to ask you to raise your hand because I know we can if we're going to be honest. That's thorny soil. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden it begins to choke us out. Even in the midst of, of, of what we're doing here. I'm telling you, I have, a, I have a great concern. I have a great concern that something that we're trying to do in order to protect people, which is the way that we have, we have come together over the last few months, I have a great concern that it's choking out. It's choking out amongst some, amongst some people the seed that is the Word of God. Now, should it be that way? No. Do we want it to be that way? No. Do I have a good answer as to how to fix that? Not exactly. I just want to start, I want to start by just acknowledging that it's there. We get those things that are choked out. But we say, well, it just has to be that way, right? That's just the way that, that, that the world works. The devil's convinced us that our, our lives have to look a certain way or there's something wrong, something is broke. But what's the truth that no one wants to speak about what is normal in our culture? Well, normal, normal is broke. Normal is stressed out. Normal is a struggling marriage. Isn't it? Isn't that what's normal? Go ahead and talk to people, and you're going to find out that's what normal. I don't, I don't want to be normal. God doesn't intend for us to be normal. Normal is to be, is to be nominal in our, in, our, in, our, uh, in our spiritual affections. We don't want that because it isn't working. We've got to pull some weeds. We've got to make some, 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 some difficult decisions about our schedule and what our schedule looks like to learn that ancient word, No. It's okay to say no. I, don't be the person who always says no, okay? 
There's some people right now, if I called them up, I could tell you they'd say no. Okay, because they always say no. you, You don't want to be that person. But you do want to say, listen, I've got to make some choices in my life about what I'm going to be doing in my life. Because here's the truth about the world that we live in. We are admonished to make the most of our days, to be careful in our walk. Because the days are evil. Because there's this default where we just, I mean, we just go to non-spiritual things, to ungodly things. We have to make some real choices. Now, that even includes, I think, in regards to what we do as a body. You, you can get overload on, on church activities, right? I acknowledge that. Here's what I will not acknowledge that we should cut church activities in order to have more time for worldly activities. These things are not equals, okay? I'm willing to acknowledge this about some church activities, but, but we don't cut equally because these things are not, di- are, 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 are not on the same playing field. That's a whole other discussion for another time. But, but to understand that we have to make these choices to live this quiet life, not just so that we can sit back and we can say, Ah oh, man, isn't isn't this nice? Let me let me sip my sweet tea for a little bit. No, that that that's not what that's not what Paul's talking about. He's talking about freeing up our lives so that we might serve God, so that we might draw closer to him, so that we might fulfill those intents of our lives. You know, uh, several years ago it was it was popular Several years ago, it was popular for people to talk about being a, a minimalist. Maybe some of you guys like that. Maybe you downsized your home. That's probably a good choice for a lot of people. Or, but this idea, I, I'm, I'm a minimalist. And I would, have, I would have friends on Facebook, and they would, you know, we're selling our house, and we're, we're you know, we have eight kids, but we're going to move into this two-bedroom house because, you know, this is, well, I mean, that's fine, right? But here's what I want to tell you. There's nothing intrinsically valuable about moving into a small house. There's not, okay? There's nothing intrinsically valuable about, about living in, in a big house. It's just a choice you make. Now, what might become valuable in your mind is, it, is if someone said, you know what, we're going to give up this big house and move into this small house so that we might free up the funds to support this mission work, so that we might be able to support this ministry, so that we might be able to help this struggling family. Right? That's the book of Acts stuff where I'm going to take, I'm going to sell some of my stuff, not just for selling it, not just so I won't have it, but so I might give it away. And I can't give away what I don't have to give away, right? That's the point. You slow your life down so that you can pursue God and godliness. So that I actually have the time to pray. So I actually have the time to, to read the Bible. I will ask you a question. Has the global pandemic that has turned lives upside down and caused you to spend, most of you, to spend an exorbitant amount of time in your home, has that changed your prayer life at all? Has it changed the amount of study that you've done in God's Word at all? We have to ask those questions because I want it to. But I have to be purposeful about that. To, to have the time to not, not just to read God's Word, but to meditate on God's Word. 
you know, I've, I've, I mean, and, and this doesn't mean that, that you're like, I mean, it's wrong to do things that aren't, you know, just sitting down and reading your Bible all day long. Um, I will not admit to you how many seasons of The Office that we've watched on VidAngel over the last couple months, because I don't know how many there are, but we've watched them. But I mean, it's, it's kind of, right, we, we, we've watched a lot of TV. We've watched a lot of movies. I know we have. We've done a lot of work on the house, but what about God? Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. I don't know when and where we come out of all of this. I, don't, I wish I did know the answers to that. But when we do, and life gets back to normal, what are the things that we're tangibly going to do to say, okay, I'm pulling back a little bit because I don't want to lose this time that I've had in God's Word. I don't, want to have, I don't want to lose this time that I've had to meditate or to pray or to spend time loving my brethren. I was out doing something the other day, and it was just, to, just, just trying to show people that we care about them and that we love them. And I had this thought right in the middle of it. This is taking a long time. I don't really have time for all this, right? I mean, I, I, was, willing to, I was willing to do about 45 minutes and about Four hours later, I was still spending my day doing that stuff, okay? And I just kind of caught myself, and I, as I was thinking about this lesson, I was like, yeah, that's the point, Wes. It takes time, but it's worth it, right? This is what he's saying here in First Thessalonians chapter 4. Hey, that brotherly love, you keep it up. I, I don't have to tell you to, to love each other, but I might have to encourage you to slow down so that you can do that. Let us, in, the, in this day or in another day, as we make it our ambition to save souls, we make it our ambition to praise God and to know God and His Word, to take the gospel to, to unknown places, to be a light in a world of darkness. May we make it our ambition to lead a quiet and peaceable life, to mind our own business and to work with our own hands just as we have been commanded. And may we never forget, in the end, true success is to live your life and go to heaven. And true failure is to live your life and not go to heaven. We're all going to live our life however long it is. But this is about God. May I make choices in my life that scream that. Not just to the world. Not just to myself, but to God. This is about you. And I want this to be about you. There are those who may be here who are outside of Christ. There are those who, who, may, who may be here who have never obeyed the gospel. You've never been baptized into Christ. Maybe you have sin that needs to be repented of. Maybe, maybe your seed has been choked out by the cares of the world. Let's come to a better way of life, the Christian way of life. You come this morning as we stand and as we sing.